From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Tuesday edition, the Biden administration is angling to gain a seat back at the table in the Iran nuclear deal as talks surrounding the tattered and ineffective agreement are underway in Vienna. Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett is sounding an alarm over the restart. Iran will be arriving at negotiations in Vienna with a clear goal to end sanctions in exchange for almost nothing. Iran won't just keep its nuclear program. From today, they'll be getting paid for it. What will the lifting of those sanctions mean to Iran and the rest of the region, including even here in the United States? We'll be joined by Florida Congressman Mike Waltz, a member of the House Armed Services Committee. And just days after the Biden administration announced they were removing Nigeria from its list of countries that allow or engage in religious persecution, another Christian village was attacked over the weekend by Fluani jihadist. Ten people were killed. Those killed were ranging in age from 4 to 86. 100 homes were also burned. The Nigerian government's pattern of indifference continues. With hundreds of Nigerians murdered over the last year because of their Christian identification, why would the Biden administration say there is no problem with religious persecution in Nigeria? We'll talk about it on this edition of Washington Watch. And while the efficacy of the COVID vaccines against the new Oak Omicron virus uh, variant rather is unknown, that is not stopping the push for more shot mandates. Should these mandates include children? The American College of Pediatricians has an answer. Dr. Russell Gamasi, a member of the American College of Pediatricians board, joins us later on this edition of Washington Watch. Also, the left is clearly rattling the saber as their judicial capstone of abortion is teetering. I think if you want to see a revolution, go ahead, outlaw Roe v. Wade, and see what the response is of the public, particularly young people, um, because I think... Um, that will not be acceptable to young women or young men. That was New Hampshire Senator Jean Shaheen. What is at stake in tomorrow's Supreme Court hearing on the abortion law out of Mississippi? We'll talk about it with Mary Sox, director of the Center for Human Dignity here at the Family Research Council. And finally, the Republican National Committee is pushing back against the critics of their newly announced Pride Coalition. The LGBT coalition features the log cabin Republicans that are on record advocating for policies that clearly contradict the Republican Party's conservative, pro-family, pro-religious freedom platform. The RNC has said there's no reason to worry. The new LGBT coalition will have nothing to do with policies and positions of the RNC. Well, not everyone is buying that including me. But I can assure you I'm not alone. The chairman of the Oklahoma Republican Party, John Bennett, has been one of the few courageous voices willing to speak out publicly. He joins me later on Washington Watch. And Travis Weber, vice president of policy here at FRC, joins me for a closer examination of those policy initiatives of the log cabin Republicans and why you should be concerned and what you can do about it as well. Now, before I get to my first guest, a couple of quick but important announcements. Sunday evening, as you uh, might recall, FRC hosted Pray Together for Life. It was a national prayer event that we hosted in Jackson, Mississippi, that featured pro-life leaders from every walk of life. It was a powerful, powerful evening. And if you missed it, or if you'd like to rewatch it or share it with others, don't worry. You can watch it this evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on NRB-TV. You can find NRB-TV on DirecTV, channel 378, and also find out more at PrayTogetherForLife.com. And today is Giving Tuesday. Far Left is aggressively striving to undermine and strip away our fundamental constitutional rights through attacking pro-life laws in the courts, recasting our nation's history as racist, intimidating parents who object to the indoctrination of their children, and the list, of course, goes on. Well, today, on this Giving Tuesday, you can partner with FRC as we equip believers to take a stand for our freedoms. And thanks to generous friends of FRC, all gifts up to $100,000 will have double the impact. As the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, let us be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, 
knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. To join in this effort, give us a call. We've got folks standing by to take your call, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. Or you can always visit TonyPerkins.com. Okay, yesterday, representatives of Iran, China, France, Germany, Russia, and the United Kingdom convened in Vienna to resume talks to revive Iran, Iran's 2015 nuclear deal, which the Trump administration had pulled out of back in 2018. Now, according to reports, U.S. representatives participated indirectly in the newest round of talks with the goal of returning to the 2015 agreement, which some uh, Israeli leaders claim gave Iran billions that it used to fund terror groups across the Middle East. In a video message to the nations negotiating in Vienna, Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett urged allies not to give in to Iran's nuclear blackmail. Now, what can we expect from this latest round of talks? What are the concessions that U.S. will have to give to reenter? And is it worth reentering? Joining me now to talk about this is Congressman Mike Waltz. He's a member of the House Armed Services Committee and a decorated special forces officer with multiple combat tours in Afghanistan, the Middle East, and Africa. He serves the 6th Congressional District of Florida. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Hey, good to be with you, Tony. Thanks, and I uh, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I did. It was. Uh, it's one of my favorite holidays. It was. Uh, it's always peaceful. It's not too commercialized, which is what I like about it. But we're back to work now, and uh, as we're talking here in Vienna, the reconvening of voices to try to resurrect this uh, tattered nuclear agreement with Iran. And I have a, a quick clip of uh, the White House press secretary saying, hey, this is what we want. We want to get back in this. Play a clip of uh, the White House. Our objective has not changed. It remains a mutual return to full compliance with the JCPOA. This is the best available option to restrict Iran's nuclear program and provide a platform to address Iran's destabilizing conduct. All right, Congressman Waltz, is, is that true? Is this the best way to keep checks, keep tabs on Iran's nuclear capabilities and what do we have to do to reenter it? Well, Tony, I think it's worth just a quick recap on why President Trump withdrew us uh, from that deal. Uh, you know, there's three components to a nuclear program, the actual fissile material, the weaponization of the warhead, and then the ballistic missiles. The Iran deal only dealt with one of those components, the fissile material, and it did so badly. Uh, with a very weak inspection regime. It's kind of like, you know, if you had a parole officer and a parolee and the parole officer had to give a month's notice before they could come check their house and then they could only check one bedroom in the house. That's essentially what the inspection program was. We had to give the Iranians a lot of notice. There were no surprise inspections and they couldn't check their military bases. So uh, it was weak to begin with not to mention the fact that it didn't cover the ballistic missiles, it didn't cover terrorism, and it didn't cover the fact that the Iranians today are holding Americans hostage in their notorious Evan prison. So that's why President Trump withdrew. He put on a maximum pressure campaign. The Iranian regime was reeling because of it. Their economy was in the tank. They couldn't afford to pay their terrorist proxies. Uh, and they, frankly, uh, couldn't afford a lot of their program, but now the Biden administration wants to go from maximum pressure to maximum concessions. Uh, it's a weak approach. Uh, they are going to give away everything they can with the hope that the Iranians will come back to the table. The new Iranian regime, which is even harder line than the last one, smells that weakness and thinks they're going to get a total lifting of sanctions, tons of cash, uh, and even have to give up less than they did under Obama. But uh, unfortunately, that's the road. This same team that uh, is around Biden was the same one that's around Obama. And it is, you know, what can we give away? What can we concede? How much can we give in order to get some kind of deal at any cost? And the entire world sees it and smells it. Now, Congressman, as I understand it, there are several different sanctions that have been placed against Iran. 
what Iran yeah. is saying. They want all sanctions, even those That's that right. are unrelated to the nuclear agreement, to be lifted. So this is a I mean, this is a windfall for the Iranians if the Biden administration agrees to their terms to reenter a deal that was ineffective to begin with. Well, you know, that's absolutely right. Again, you know, they, they, the Iranian regime smells the opportunity. By the way, the new Iranian president criticized his predecessor for entering into the Obama's nuclear deal of saying they didn't even get enough uh, back then, even though we literally gave them pallets of cash, uh, lifted sanctions, allowed European companies to do business there, and got very little in return. Again, a suspension partially which, by the way, that suspension would have been lifted in just a few years anyway with the sunset provisions and a very weak sanctions regime. Instead, what they should be doing is what the Trump administration was doing was the full maximum pressure. The thing the Iranian regime cares about the most is its money, is its right. wallet, uh, are the many businesses that the IRGC and others enriched themselves on, all of those we're being, we're, you know, we had a stranglehold on them, and we're this close. I guarantee you, if Trump had been reelected, they would have come back to the table from a position of weakness, and we would have gotten that full, comprehensive deal. But we're, you know, the Biden administration's about to just give it all away again, like they did under Obama. And Tony, very quickly, why does this matter to so many of your listeners and viewers? Why does this matter to everyday Americans? Well, if Iran gets the bomb, They've already said Israel should be wiped off the face of the earth, and the rest of the Middle East uh, is going to get one, too. Uh, Saudi Arabia is going to get one. Turkey is going to get one. We are going to have a nuclear arms race in the middle of the Middle East, and that should scare every American. That would destabilize the entire world. Well, you were reading my mind in terms of how this applies to our, our listeners, because there's even more to that. As you talk about their being able to get the cash into their wallets, not only will they be able to enrich themselves, right. but this is how they can pay their terrorist proxies. Right. So given the weakness that America has shown in Afghanistan, this could become a I mean, you, you would see terrorism flourish literally yeah. around the world with the center point being Iran. Well, you already have what I call an axis of terror from Hamas and Hezbollah uh, on, on the borders of Israel uh, to uh, parts of Iraq that ISIS is still in Syria, that where ISIS is still trying to reemerge uh, to Iran and now to the Taliban caliphate uh, in Afghanistan, supported by Pakistan and, and you know, unleashing the sanctions uh, will only pour fuel on the fire. By the way, you have the Taliban caliphate trying to get billions unfrozen as well, and we're seeing the Biden administration starting to give on that. So you will be literally pouring cash into the belly of the beast of terrorism. And you know, meanwhile, while we should be focused on China and the threat that that is, we're going to have to shift back into the Middle East because of bad and right. frankly idiotic policy from this and, White and, House. And unnecessary. Totally, totally unnecessary. unnecessary. Yeah. Like everything else from this administration, a self-inflicted wound. Right. You're absolutely right. Congressman Walter, out of time. Didn't even get to Nigeria. That's another conversation uh, we need to have as well. Thanks so much for joining us. Always great to talk with you. And I like the beard, by the way. Hey, thanks, Tony. I served in Nigeria. Happy to have that conversation with you. Look forward to it. All right, folks, don't go away. When we come back, shots for tots, the mandate. Is it something that we should be agreeing to. The American College of Pediatricians joins us next. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. 
To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, it is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org subscriptions. At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us on this Tuesday afternoon. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And it is uh, Giving Tuesday. And so you have an opportunity to double your impact to defend faith, family, and freedom. Give us a call and partner with us, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. We've got uh, team members standing by to take your call or go to TonyPerkins.com. All right, regardless of uh, what studies are out regarding natural immunity or the lack of long-term safety data on the COVID shots, the Biden administration continues to assert that the vaccinations are the answer. Whatever the question is, vaccinations are the answer. Uh, Everyone who is unvaccinated needs to get vaccinated, and those who are vaccinated need to get boosted. And the Biden administration is relentless in its efforts uh, to get the shots into every single American, even if by coercion. Of course, the courts have uh, put a damper on some of that. And and by the way, I'm not against the vaccine. Uh, I think you need to evaluate um, whether or not it's good for you, good for your family, and then you make that decision with your health care provider. But I don't think Uncle Sam should be making that decision for you. Well, since the FDA granted emergency use authorization last month to Pfizer's COVID vaccine for children ages 5 to 11, there's been a growing concern that mandates uh, for TOTS would soon be coming. Shots for TOTS. Among those who have taken a stand against such mandates is the American College of Pediatricians. And with me now to discuss this is Dr. Russell Gombosi. He is a board member of the American College of of pediatricians. Uh, Dr. Gambosi, welcome to Washington Watch. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Now, let's just start with this. Um, Your organization has said, look, this isn't the government's place. This is a decision that should be made by parents and their health care providers. Why? Um, Well, there there are several reasons. First off, uh, children tend to do very well with COVID. It tends to be a mild illness um, and uh, um, a generally healthy child is going to get through the illness without significant complications. Now, that's certainly not true of everyone and those with pre-existing conditions um, also are at higher risk. And so it's not to minimize it completely because there are some deaths, but in a way it's similar to influenza and we don't mandate influenza vaccinations. Um, 
And, and isn't that a part of kind of the, the I know we're not hearing much about this anymore, but herd immunity, I know because of the, the variants and they're changing. But the studies that I have read, uh, doctors, suggest that natural immunity seems to be more elastic in terms of taking on the various uh, variants of COVID. And that would be expected. The mRNA vaccines target one specific spike protein, whereas natural immunity you are getting T-cell immunity, B-cell immunity, and mucosal immunity. And the mucosa is part of your nose and respiratory passage, which is how the virus enters your system in the first case. And uh, the vaccine really doesn't do anything for that type of immunity. And so being vaccinated doesn't really serve the purpose of doing a lot to prevent transmission to others which is one of the big arguments for getting the whole public vaccinated. And if we really sit back and look at um, cases of natural immunity, they do seem to be more durable. It's not that you can't get reinfected, but the reinfections are significantly milder and rarely does anyone need to be hospitalized in the pediatric population uh, a second time. And, and as you said, they're more they're more versatile. So if you were looking at this from a holistic standpoint, children, if they're not if they don't have underlying health issues, and obviously if they have underlying health issues, then the, it might be a good idea for them to take what risk is there with the vaccine to get uh, vaccinated. But for the vast majority, it makes more sense for them not to if the symptoms are mild or they're asymptomatic they become a, a greater wall of protection around others, do they not? With natural immunity, I think that is true. Um, and the studies aren't uh, um, completely positive in that regard, but most of them do point that direction. And it is puzzling how natural immunity is not recognized in our country as a valid exception to vaccination, whereas around the world and other places it is. And some health systems are willing to buck the trend and have uh, accepted natural immunity for their employees as being valid for up to a year. Um, and thus they would not need to be vaccinated. And let's not forget in children, uh, there is studies showing a cardiomyopathy that can result after vaccination in teenagers and young adults, primarily boys uh, and young men. Um, but that kind of pro-inflammatory or autoimmune result is cause of valid concern. Right. And one of the problems is if you have had a recent COVID infection and you get vaccinated, you're also at significant higher risk of having a complication of the vaccine. So again, this is a this is a decision that a parent should make with the child's health care provider based upon their comprehensive understanding of that child's situation. It's not a one size fits all that every child should get this vaccine regardless of their situation. I couldn't have said it better. That's exactly true. Well, Dr. Gambosi, I want to thank you uh, for joining us and grateful that uh, you all are out there raising the scientific concerns about these mandates, uh, because these are, for, for some, as you point out, life and death uh, situations. And by the way, I should go on record, you all are not opposed to the vaccines. It's just a matter of how they are administered. Is that is that correct? Um. Yeah, no, we're not opposed to vaccines in general. In fact, we're very pro-vaccine. Right. It's just that in this certain circumstance, we don't have long-term experience. And to mandate something without such long-term experience, uh, I think, is a step too far uh, from a medical standpoint. You know, so it's not that we're uh, um, opposed to it based on ethical grounds. Um, you know, aborted fetal parts were used very early on in just one step. It's not used in vaccine production. So it's not that uh, uh, right. opposition that we have. It, it's more the opposition that, again, most kids do well 
the vaccine itself may have some pro-inflammatory or autoimmune effects. And it's just Doc, Doc, we got to leave it. We got to leave it there. Folks, stick with us. We're coming back on the other side of the break. Thanks, Doc. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets, and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, the website, TonyPerkins.com. Um, just wanted to, we ran out of time with uh, Dr. Gambosi, but the American College of Pediatricians, the, the point I wanted to make is they're not anti-vaccine. Now, they are anti-mandate when it comes to not considering the individual health concerns or risk of, uh, of each and every patient. And the idea that the government knows best is, is wrong-headed, doesn't follow the science, and that's the point they're making. The reason I wanted to draw that out is just so, you know, and I know I've been criticized by some who, because I've said I'm not anti-vaccine. I Look, I think if someone uh, is at risk because of underlying issues, they need to consider that for themselves. It's there. Yes, I know there are, cons- there, there, there are uh, risks with the vaccine. I get that. But there's also risk for people who have uh, immune deficiency disorders or other issues. So I think it's best made with an individual and their doctor. I am totally 100 percent against the mandates. Just wanted to draw out the fact that the American College of Pediatricians is not across the board against mandates. I mean, against vaccines, only the mandates. And they're following the science on this. It makes sense. Children should not be forced to to have vaccine vaccinations for COVID. Doesn't work. Well, let me restate that. There's no evidence to suggest that they benefit from it. Okay. Uh, tomorrow is, uh, is is really a big day. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court will begin oral arguments in the case of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. Now, this is the case. It presents the greatest opportunity to restore the sanctity of life in America since the infamous 1973 Supreme Court decision in Roe v. Wade that legalized abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy. Now, earlier today, FRC released a new publication that goes over uh, how abortion laws in the United States compare to those in other countries around the world. Now, how we stack up I bet it will surprise you. With me now to talk about this is Mary Sox. She's the director of the Center for Human Dignity at the Family Research Council. She co-authored the new publication, and she will be out at the Supreme Court on the steps tomorrow speaking out for the unborn. Mary, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much for having me. 
All right, Mary, uh, tell us about the new publication and what many in America may not be aware of when it comes to our laws regarding abortion. Well, we looked at, at America's default law on abortion, the Roe v. Wade decision, which, which allows abortion through 40 weeks of pregnancy, and we compared that with the laws of every other country across the globe. And what we found is that the United States is one of only six nations that allows abortion through 40 weeks of pregnancy, with the other five nations being North and South Korea, China, Vietnam, and Canada. Uh, and, and this really does come as a shock to most people. We saw that 48 out of 51 European countries prohibit abortion past 14 weeks. Um, we, we see that across the globe, the most common abortion law is to outlaw abortion or only allow it in, in cases of physical health of the mother. The globe recognizes the dignity of the unborn child, at least to some extent, but America certainly does not. You know, when you listen to all of the rhetoric on television, the news media, the left, you would think that, uh, you know, laws like we're seeing, uh, well, actually before the court tomorrow, the court out of uh, the law out of Mississippi on the, the, the ban after 15 weeks, that these things are like uh, unbelievable. Where did they come from? You know, America, actually, as you said, we're out of step. Not that I want to compare myself by the rest of the world, but Clearly, on the issue of life, America is an outlier when it comes to our lack of protection for the unborn. We certainly are. And when you think of who our abortion policy peers are, North Korea, you know, we, we think of them as one of the greatest human rights violators in, in this generation. We think of China, another human rights violator. They, they, they put religious minorities in concentration camps. Um, we, we see Vietnam, political, political opponents there are imprisoned. And we see Canada, a place that, that has, is, is seen as um, a country that, that respects life, but it really doesn't in any way. It's a, it's a country where you know, people with disabilities are, are not valued, where um, their, their assisted suicide legislation is terrible. So we really find ourselves among other countries who do not respect life in any way. And I think our real question is, where should America be on this? We should be leading the pack. We should be the best of the best when it comes to defending the unborn. Yeah, that's uh, so true. And we could be on the verge of that. Uh, about 30 seconds left, Mary. I know you're going to be on the steps of the Supreme Court tomorrow. Uh, how can our listeners, our viewers be praying as the court moves into these oral arguments tomorrow? I think that we need to pray for God to, to move mightily in this case. You know, I think, I think we need to pray for protection for the unborn, for wisdom for the justices, and for them to really accept the reality that an unborn child is a human being and that, and that human beings deserve the right to life because they're made in the image of God. Absolutely. And we will be praying that and we will be uh, obviously covering uh, tomorrow's oral arguments here on Washington Watch. Mary Sox, always great to have you on. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, Tony. All right. And folks, we will be covering uh, this case tomorrow uh, as the oral arguments begin there at the U.S. Supreme Court. But coming up next, the Republican National Committee is pushing back against the state party leaders call for the RNC chair, Rana McDaniel to change course or resign. We'll talk about this with that leader, Oklahoma GOP Chairman John Bennett. After the break, don't go away. Lots more Washington Watch to come in just a moment. to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets, and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. 
Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students. Are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side by side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown DC, giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. This is Giving Tuesday. You've probably heard a little bit about that by now. Well, here's an opportunity to partner with FRC, the Family Research Council in Washington Watch. Some generous supporters have put forth a $100,000 match where whatever you give will be doubled to impact your effort to defend and advance faith, family, and freedom. And we've got team members standing by to take your call today, 800-225-4008, just today for this Giving Tuesday. Or you can visit TonyPerkins.com to partner with us. All right, last week, the head of the Oklahoma Republican Party called on the Republican National Committee chairwoman, uh, Rana McDaniel, to change course or resign over her recent announcement of an LGBT pride coalition. Now, this came to the head uh, after a meeting of RNC members, 168 of them on a phone call with her after she made this announcement without informing them. Now, the RNC is apparently pushing back, insisting that the RNC's chair's latest move, quote, does not mean we are advocating for any policy or RNC platform change, end quote. But, of course, actions speak louder than words. Included in this coalition effort is hiring individuals associated with the log cabin Republicans to join the RNC staff. Joining me now to talk about this is John Bennett, chairman of the Oklahoma Republican Party. Uh, John, uh, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, So, Mr. Bennett, let me ask you this. Um, You... You called upon the RNC chairman either to withdraw this initiative or resign. Uh, What's been the response to your call? Well, the response from the constituency has been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, However, I haven't heard a peep out of the RNC. Nothing at all. Well, they, they apparently had no problem talking to the Washington Post because I have an article here in which uh, a spokesman from the RNC said this, quote, Chairman McDaniel has made it abundantly clear that this does not mean we're advocating for any policy RNC platform change. Chairman Bennett is lying, and it's disgusting that he attempted to raise money off of these falsehoods. What do you say to that? 
that's just a deflection. And that's politics as usual in Washington. The, the big problem we have today is we're at war for the very soul of this nation, the nation that was built upon the laws of nature and nature's God, which was clearly defined in our founding, as we see in Blackstone's commentaries, as God's word and God's will. This is right in the face of that. So why do they attack that? They attack it because if they do away with the foundation of what this very nation was built upon, they can put in whatever they want. And so for the RNC to deflect and say this was a money-raising deal, it's just it's it's just disingenuous at best. What it is is them trying to take the focus off of what they're doing, and that is selling out um, and helping rip away at the foundation of this nation. Well, I've actually been a part of about the last five uh, party platforms. I've been on the platform committee three or four times, been a part of writing those party platforms. And, and just so people understand how that process works, the RNC actually gives the first draft to the delegates. There's a, a, a male and female delegate. And I assume it'll stay that way. If we drop gender, who knows what will happen. But there's a male and female from uh, each state. So there's 100 delegates that then, and then I think we've got some from the territories and districts of Columbia. And, and, and they then have to go through the legislative process of amending uh, the platform. And we, we went through a very uh, arduous process in 2016 to come up with a very conservative, uh, very solid religious freedom protecting pro-life, pro-traditional family document. Now, John, my, my experience is, and we hear this over and over in politics, that personnel is policy. So how how can it be that we could have LGBT activists within the RNC and not expect to see a change in policy? Yeah, that's a great point, and, and you're exactly right. And that's the problem we have, and that's why they're running for the hills now and trying to deflect from what's really going on. The fact of the matter is, really, all America has left is the Republican Party because it's based off of those values that you just you just mentioned. God, family, and country. And if we do away with those values, the Democrat Party did it a long time ago. If the Republican Party does it, where do the people go now? And what happens to this nation that was built upon those foundations? Why are we not seeing other RNC or state party chairmen speaking out on this? Is there an effort to silence them by the RNC? Oh, I'm sure there is. I mean, it's politics as usual. The, the only difference is, you know, I felt called to be in this position. I'm going to do what I what I believe is right and what's right by the, by God's word, because this nation was built upon that. Um, I'm not going to back down, so I can't be influenced. But a lot of them can because they have aspirations for a higher office or they get their arms twisted, whatever it might be. I just simply don't care. I'm going to do what's right for us and what's right according to God's will um, and what he's he's. He's the uh, drive that he's put in my life. So I'm a little bit so, different, I guess you could say. Well, I'm, and I, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, let, let me ask a final question for you, uh, Chairman Bennett. What are you hearing from uh, Republicans there in the uh, Sooner State? So I had an overwhelming um, response from the constituents, and they're like, hey, are you going to do something? What are you going to do? Well, I was already in the process. If I hadn't heard from anybody, I was going to do what I did. But it was encouraging to hear from all of them. And I've heard more from the constituents over this issue than anything else um, that's concerning in, in today's society. Um, so I believe I responded correctly, and they're very supportive of that. And that's what I'm here for. All right, Chairman Bennett, thank you so much for joining us today. And I, I hope we'll see other I, I will say this. Texas has spoken out about it. a couple of the states have spoken out. But we like to see more of uh, of them speak out uh, very clearly on this issue. So, uh, Chairman Bennett, thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, Semper Fi. Thank you, Semper Fi. All right, folks, I want to continue this discussion on the RNC Pride Coalition by drawing attention now to the, the to the pro LGBT Law cabin Republicans, which with uh, with with whom the RNC uh, has basically entered into this coalition, they've committed to working with them. In, in fact, uh, they've now put someone on staff at the RNC. Now they've tried to water this down by announcing, "Well, this was just uh, this was there's there's going to be a whole coalition effort. There's going to be a series of coalitions that we put together." Why was this the first one? 
Why, why is this is this the top priority? And you put a staff of staff member on. Look, from day one, since I entered into the political realm, you hear over and over personnel is policy. You know what? That is so true because it's and we see it on Capitol Hill a lot. It happens with a lot of members of Congress who hire some young staffers and and uh, some of these young staff members kind of go off in a different direction than what the congressman really wants to do or congresswoman. And so they have to do a lot of uh, course correction with their staff because that personnel, a lot is invested in the personnel. A lot of authority is granted to the personnel to make decisions. So let's take a look at uh, what the law cabins have been advocating for in the past. And joining us now to talk about this is Travis Weber, FRC's Vice President for Policy and Government Affairs. Travis, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. All right, before before we get into this, I, and I don't want to run, run out of time, people can weigh in on this. In fact, uh, before Thanksgiving, a lot of people weighed in on this based upon a couple of stories we did on this, both on our, my daily update, but also on the radio program. And I'm just I'm going to tell you, folks, that people heard from you. I, I got calls from a state party chairman. In fact, I, I got a call yesterday uh, from a party chairman as I was uh, coming uh, back to the studios from our event in Mississippi. And they were saying, look, the, the, after Thanksgiving, they kind of feel like the pressure's off, and so they're kind of backing away a little bit because the RNC's pushing back hard. So, folks, it's time to crank up the phones and the emails again and let them know that this is, this is beyond the pale. This will cause the Republican Party to lose one of its core constituencies. That is you and I. Uh, evangelical, social conservatives, those who care about religious freedom. So at the website, TonyPerkins.com, we have uh, action steps for you so that you can communicate once again and let them know that you have not forgotten. So with that said, Travis, let's kind of go into what these log cabin Republicans advocate for and how this is inconsistent with the GOP platform. Yeah, Tony, I think, you know, all we have to do is look at their own website where they outline their support for uh, non-discrimination laws based on sexual orientation or gender identity across throughout the states at multiple levels and points of impact, including housing, public accommodations, and elsewhere. They outline. Now, let me, Travis, let me stop you just because I, you know, we they sound nice, non-discrimination laws, but these are the kind of laws that that end up getting bakers' businesses taken away from. These are the ones that force people to participate in weddings, to participate in other events that they would not want to based upon their religious convictions. So there's nothing here about wanting to overtly discriminate against anyone. We're talking about special protections based upon one's sexual, uh, de sexually declared orientation. That's correct, Tony. And, and, yeah, if we look at their own language on their website, we, we see these types of laws. We see uh, laws which would... Uh, cut into religious freedom protections for uh, foster faith-based adoption and foster care providers. Uh, we see bans on um, those seeking help for unwanted same-sex attraction. And as you mentioned, these broad laws which affect religious freedom across you know, the... Let me, let me, let me, I, I don't want to keep jumping on, on there, but I want to unpack these things because these are important things because we deal with them every day. When we talk about, let's t talk about the uh, dealing with unwanted sexual attraction, that's, that's a ban on, they support laws that ban counseling, even if someone wants it. Right. They, they, they support laws that say, if you've got a teenager or even if you're, you're an adult and you want counseling uh, for unwanted same-sex attractions, you can't get it. Is that, that right? That's correct. And they'll call these conversion therapy, and, and they'll point to hypotheticals of, of horror stories or people being forced into these. Some of these, have, have, the stories themselves are, are fabricated. But the reality is that what these bans are going after is people seeking help for unwanted same-sex attraction in a way that doesn't, quote, affirm uh, the, the, desired, uh, the desire to cross over to the other uh, gender identity, the other try to become the biological sex that one is not born as, or, um, you know, hope for same-sex attraction in a way that doesn't affirm the and position th pushed by the LGBT advocates. And that's in sharp contrast, direct contradiction to the Republican Party platform that says parents 
should have the ability to determine these things. Because I, I actually, I wrote that part of the platform. We put that in there. And so I know that's in contrast to that. And then a lot of the work that we've done on what's referred to as, as RIFRA, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which states have passed, they have a position on their part on their website, as you stated, that says they oppose these religious liberty protections. Yeah, Tony, that's correct. They're posing a broad protection under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, a law that was passed by Congress in the early 90s with almost unanimously and signed into law by President Clinton. So opposing the use of this general religious liberty protection gives you a clue as to where they're at. And as you noted earlier, these things sound nice. You look at them on paper. You may think, well, well how can I oppose that? When people understand what they do, the impact of these laws is to marginalize and, and um, lower the protection for people of faith and their organizations, faith-based providers, businesses that you mentioned earlier, their protections are marginalized and sidelined, even under positions or bills like the Fairness for All Act, which the Lockout Republicans explicitly state that they support. Well, this bill is really another version of the Equality Act, um, putting to the side religious freedom protections in addition to uh, women who need protections in private spaces and in sporting competitions. Under the Equality Act or Fairness for All, these protections are sidelined, diminish. A fig leaf of, fig leaf of religious freedom protection is provided, small areas, but um, significantly they're side, the, the, the true protections are sidelined when you look at what the impact of these somewhat nice-sounding policies actually do. And, and log cabin Republicans lay it out there for us uh, as plain as day. So just to unpack this a little further, Travis Weber, what happened in Virginia leading up to the election where the schools and, and the indoctrination and the pronoun uh, police that had uh, taken over the schools in the gender-neutral bathrooms, that's the type of policies we're talking about? That is the type of policies that are, are in alignment with what the log cabin Republicans say they support throughout the states. And these are... The very this is the ideological thrust of those policies um, was what we saw cause a lot of pushback. And to say nothing, Tony, of, of what you uh, noted earlier about the the right of parents to raise their children as they see fit and uh, run their families as they see fit, these are significantly attacked by right. policies of blockhead Republicans. We're, we're almost out of time, Travis. I want to ask you this question. If you were to go to work for the RNC, would you advocate for religious freedom based upon what you've spent your life doing? Well, yeah, I mean, we, we need to, absolutely, and, and we need to advocate for true religious freedom. So what, my, my point is this. If you as an activist for religious freedom went to the RNC, you wouldn't check your passion for religious freedom at the door. And because it goes back to my point, personnel is policy. And so those who have been advocating for policies counter to this, to think that they're going to check that at the door of the RNC is absolute foolishness. It will not happen. This will be the undermining of the conservative, pro-family, pro-religious freedom platform of the RNC. Travis, out of time. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us. Folks, you need to weigh in on this. Go to TonyPerkins.com. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.